We had a community board meeting, first time in the supper room for a long time. It was, and it was great to be able to actually meet face-to-face rather than on Zoom Mm. and to welcome people back into the public forum as well. And, of course, our um, guest speakers. One was Andrew Murphy from the local police, uh, along with the um, gentleman who's the camera security specialist, which was great, and his name has just flown out of my head. I've written Terry down here. It is. Yeah. It's Terry. And so uh, that was great. And also a discussion about our roading with our um, senior roading engineer, Gareth, as well. So it was really good to be back in person uh, meeting face to face. And and in the public forum, of course, that's much easier for people to get involved with as well. And we had um, one of our local school bus drivers here talking about uh, the scrum that is Raglan Area School, just for 20 minutes outside the school every every day. Every day in the morning yeah. and in the afternoon. And I think it's actually a universal problem for all schools. Uh, ours particularly is exacerbated because we are a one-way. We're a dead-end street at the end yeah. of Noriab, which is always tricky. And I've noticed that regardless of what you ask people to do, drop your children off a little bit further away from school, get them to walk. The congestion is quite bad. And I absolutely hear what Peter uh, was saying, um, particularly because uh, driving a bus um, when the lane down to the school is constricted with parents um, either dropping off or picking up their students depending on what time of the day it is. So it is something that we need to look at. And I think it's more from a school perspective taking action um, along with parents. And over two years ago, actually, in fact, excuse me, over three years ago in my first term, um, we had a discussion around road safety. We should say you're you're chair of the Board of Trustees as well for people. I'm also the chair of the Board of Trustees. And she has a phone that rings. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, yes, so I'm the board chair of the Board of Trustees. So um, the PTA up at school was looking at what we could do uh, to encourage people to walk or uh, put in walking buses and those types of things. And we do need to relook at that. Obviously, the last couple of years, and this isn't an excuse, um, you know, with um, the closure of school and the things that have been happening, um, it's been hard to coordinate uh, mm. those discussions. So there'll be something... Uh, now that we're in a semblance of normality um, again, uh, to relook at um, getting that messaging out around uh, what does school safety look like before and after school, particularly when you're picking up or dropping off your children. Yeah. I think like as someone who occasionally goes up after school to pick someone up, um, some of you drive down and then you think, well, there might be a bit of space. I'll just go in and have a look. And and the one thing, if if, if people do... Nothing else. At the very least, let a few cars out before you go in. That's exactly right. Around that area where the crossing is. And the right-of-way should be the traffic that is coming up Noriab from the school. It's coming out, Particularly the bus, um, so not trying to go down uh, whilst the bus is coming up or going down, actually. Uh, And I know that um, when you're in a big bus like Peter drives, um, that can be really hairy experience. The cars obviously vary in size. We've got four-wheel drives to little cars as well, you know. So it's being mindful and actually dropping um, your children off perhaps uh, at the BP um, on the layaway across the road from the BP there and getting them to walk to school or even alternatively dropping them at uh, Joyce Petrol Park Obviously, there's a road cross, or even on Stewart Street, because there's plenty of parking there, and getting them to walk up Wainui Road. 
uh, that would be safer. And of course, uh, either dropping them off at Raglan West as well. Yeah, just to it's alleviate a, it's a that congestion. It's really unfortunate that the, as well as the dead end, it's the school is surrounded by streets that don't have any car parks on them. That's exactly right. Well. And Noriev isn't, uh, you know, Noriev hasn't really got the provision to have uh, on-street parking anyway. Um, and obviously, if you are not using um, Noriev to go and pick up your children at those times of day, don't use it as a rat run. Use uh, Bankart Street yeah, yeah. and Wainui Road uh, to avoid that congestion because we have got congestion not only on Noriev uh, before and after school, it's also on Whitley Street. I noticed actually, I noticed yesterday there, there was <coughs> roadworks down there and there were cones along the middle of the road, and one of the buses had got one caught under its wheel and it had to stop. The driver was out trying to haul it out from under the bus. Oh, so and that just was added, just added at to the, the confusion. Uh, Stewart Street yeah. uh, side of uh, Noriev, wasn't yeah. it? Because they were doing some work there. What about uh, the idea? Someone did mention the idea of staggered start and finish times. That, at uh, ages. We've trialled that up in the north of the district. I haven't heard how that's gone. Um, and I think that's a great idea. Uh, but for some families, they've got students in mm. both the junior school and the senior school. Mm. Uh, but you know, the priority for many parents, especially if you've got children in the junior school, is to pick them up as soon as you can. But for me personally, when I go and do board business up at the school, I avoid going up to school from between 2.30 uh, and about 10 past 3, and the same within the morning, 8.30 till about yeah. 10 past 9, yeah. uh, just to help alleviate that congestion. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things that everyone's going to have to try to do things differently for it to work out, really. Yeah, and really encourage walking to school. You know, obviously it's a bit trickier when the weather is poor, but um, I think most of us in our age bracket probably didn't have an opportunity to get a ride with anyone. If I missed the bus, that was it. I was at home for the day. There used to be a lot more cycling. Like, I used to work in, in the building industry, doing a lot of work in schools, and I remember, oh, this is 25 years ago now, I think, a school principal saying, oh, we might as well knock down the bike shed. No one, there's like three bikes in it. And that a change happened sometime just after we left school, I think. Yeah. While we were in our 20s. Um, and we did talk about bikes, you know, um, cycling in our board meeting as well. Our roads are... Oh, yes. Yeah, back to the board stuff. Our roads are designed for uh, cycling. And I guess uh, Chris made a good point is that, uh, you know, riding a bike is, is um, a vehicle. So when you're on the road, it's probably good to own the road when you're riding uh, in areas where the road is a bit skinnier, like Wainui Road, um, from Helen Place through to Raglan West. Um, if you're going to ride on there, either on the footpath is um, safe or just are we, riding are out so people... Are advocate being on the footpath? Because legally... Well, I would like ride I, on the footpath Yeah, that's there, what I said yesterday. I said, I'm not advocating it, but that's actually what I would ask my kids to do. If yeah, I would ri- personally, I would ride on the footpath, particularly to go over the one-lane bridge if you know, oh, the traffic's already got yeah. the right-of-way, depending yeah. on which end you're coming. Or alternatively, as Charlie Young had said, he avoids that part. He'll turn off uh, and go down uh, and through over the Papahua pathway into town. Yeah, and Gareth Bellamy, the roading <coughs> engineer who was there, did, did say that that, has been the council's solution to try to provide some alternative cycleways so people don't have to use Wainui Road. Yeah, and then, you know, the upgrade uh, from the Marae to uh, Rocket is underway, although we are just waiting um, for uh, a change in resource consent uh, from regional council uh, for the stage from the Marae over the new culvert. 
um, and just waiting for that because that's in the coastal area and then we'll be get it cracking on with completing that uh, and then obviously Gareth did mention as well that part of the Papakainga uh, development uh, they will be widening the current footpath that's there so then it meets that uh, two and a half metres wide which is fantastic so a shared cycle walkway Okay, so that's as you just as you come to the change in speed coming out of uh, out of town. So you go past Raglan West Cafe or, or Kari Kari Ev. Go past there. Yeah, Kari Kari Ev. The, there is a path there now, but it's there a is, narrow but one. They, they, it's only a narrow one, so they're right. going to widen that. And of course, we put in for the tourism infrastructure fund to uh, complete other parts of the cycle walkway as well. But we haven't heard back from that. So, you know, it'd be great when that is completed, and I think it'll be really well used as it is currently. Um, is yeah. well used, you know, for people to get out to um, Wainui Reserve and also out to the mountain bike park as well. And I guess if we track back through, so we come from Wainui Reserve, track all the way back through to the bridge, and then we come to another issue for discussion at the moment, which is the old walkway. We're calling it the Winera Walkway from, from the bridge that comes over from Papahua to this side. Oh, you're talking about the walk bridge now. Yeah, so you come over the walk bridge, and then we've got engineers have advised that it's <coughs> fallen apart. Uh, where you walk through under the Pahutukawa trees round to the jetty. Um, so where, where are we at with that? Cause I haven't are... seen that report. I, don't okay. know. I know that you interviewed Gabriel earlier on in the week <clears throat> um, or last week, so I'm not sure if she mentioned that, but I haven't seen the engineer's report because I don't think it's completed, but I could be wrong. I thought there was something suggesting that something's happening. Something's. Oh, I think, I think like someone, a, a, somebody said there's a... Council manager or a project manager being appointed to the project was that it or was that a different project? Mm. Anyway, I'm looking at you blankly. I yeah, no, I actually don't know. I was checking my notes, but they're not like 100% comprehensive. Um, well, but the council is going to do something about it. Yes, I'm not sure what that something is. Yeah, they've got to do some designs, and people will look at the designs yeah. and say whether we like it or not. I guess that's what's going to happen. Um, back to we mentioned before that the police were there. Uh, we were, I guess, maybe here in. in the, the station we were speculating that that Andrew, who was the local police officer speaking, would would turn up with a solution to improving security in the in the CBD. It looks like it's a much slower path than I that I had assumed it would be. Like there's well, lots really of work the, to be I, done. I I thought Andrew's approach was great because it was uh, more saying how can we collaborate with yeah. existing cameras already operating within uh, the CBD and around. And he did mention, um, you know, well. Uh, Terry mentioned about the wharf ca- um, cameras and how they work, um, and then I thought that the um, you know suggestion or the desire to have that um, recognition camera at Tuyuku. So that's a number plate um, recognition camera. Yeah, yeah. to get um, cars coming in or out, but of course they have to be reported stolen. But nonetheless, it still has that um, aspect that you can go back and look at that. So I think he was right in also saying that who will be responsible. We need to work out who will be responsible for the ongoing maintenance. So we're not in this position uh, again as a community. And how can council support that? Um, but more importantly, how can we collaborate in that security space with those cameras? So yeah. he obviously has an idea of where cameras uh, could be, uh, and he did mention um, at the Walkbridge, um, you know, for added security as well. But I think, you know, that now that we're all talking about it, we can put those, uh, put our thoughts to that and also look at, once we've got that, 
I guess, the desired plan or our really want and our wish list, then we can look at how we can, as a community, help fund that, do fundraising or yeah. whatever that may look like. And I was interested, this guy Terry we mentioned, he has a company called SecureNet. And so he was there, you know, representing his company, but he obviously has lots of experience working in small communities. And, and he was saying that, like, everyone does have to work together. And if, and if a business is getting some security cameras for inside, like, their shop, then it's a really good chance to get one pointing outside as well and just and and that can be that business's contribution to the to the community situation so i thought his experience was really good but it did you can see there's some expense involved from what he was saying like he was talking about in other communities so i I don't know if this would apply here twenty five thirty thousand dollars to set things up um but he did seem to know how to do things cheaply he did and how you can use your existing yeah a network that you already have depending on the um hardware that you have so I really liked his approach that rather than going oh we all need a brand new system and it has to be whiz bang was actually how can we network together um, with those already in place to add to that network of security cameras across uh, our community obviously it's probably more uh, in the CBD and obviously with those sorts of things you've got to be mindful of um, confidentiality who has access to that Mm. Um, and he did mention that it could be used uh, for good or bad um, depending on who has access to the network as well. That's the experience he's seen yeah Yeah. because someone raised the issue of a community somewhere in Canada where anyone can see what's on the security cameras. Yeah, and so that's when it came, And that's when it came back. Well, you know, it could be for good or not so good, depending on who's got access to it. And you could use it to see how many parks are available downtown. That, I know that, that, could, that would that be quite be handy. good, eh? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd do that. Um, all right, so on to other things. Um, the 60k sign turning up for State Highway 21. This this bit of State Highway 23 after Monaco Road. By Simon Tefedor's Yeah, through to there. Um, Gareth Bellamy was saying we would be the – like the whole district is getting some changes. The whole district is getting um, ta- changes across there. And we there. would be first off the – We're the first, first cab off, off the ring. But we – the um, speed bylaw goes uh, to full council on the 30th of this month. So that's when that will be given the stamp of approval and then we'll be able to take action. Okay. All right. And – is it usually in the? Oh, I thought it might be one of those new financial year things, first of July, but that's probably not. I'm no, not right it's about not. That. It was actually just because it's full council, so it had to go to full council for yeah. ratification. Okay. And then, of course, on Monday we've got our infrastructure meeting, and that in the infrastructure on the agenda is the uh, bus service. So this is the within Raglan bus service. The within Raglan bus service, but there's also other communities. The proposal uh, for Matangi and places like that as well, but for Raglan. So we'll be discussing that. It will be f- uh, funded by council, um, as how opposed many, to. Sorry, how many other councillors then? If there's other communities involved, how many other councillors have you got on your side when it comes to the vote? Um, well, it's all broken down for each community and the costing of it. And I'm sure that all my fellow councillors, there, there won't be any opposition to having more public transport within our communities. Um, and so it's allocated, so it's quite clear in the agenda uh, what the cost is to 
that particular bus service for each community. So I can't imagine that any of my fellow councillors will be in opposition to supporting okay. Raglan or any of the other communities. That sounds positive, more positive than I was expecting. Well, it's all it's budgeted, so it's not. Oh, it's all budgeted, so it's not money that we're taking from someone else. So it's being allocated to provide for those services, and then once that. Um, gets the stamp of approval, obviously, we'll be able to work out where uh, that bus service route will be um, and how often. So Raglan will really have to get behind um, having Mm -hmm. that service for it to be viable. And so it'll be great coming into summer, um, you know, getting those comms out to visitors and locals to actually use that service as opposed to using your car. And... I know you guys were, or some of the community board members were planning a meeting, um, a behind-the-scenes meeting soon about a few things that need to happen in town. We're talking about um, some signs, some parking signs, uh, what's going to happen for... um, The Orca crossing. The uh, crossing near Orca and maybe the the car stop barriers outside the Super Super Valley supermarket. Yeah, that's right. So that's, um, that's another hui for the board to have. Okay. Now I'm going through my notes, wrong one here. Um, just generally, there was a lot of talk about cyclist safety and a comment from Gareth Bellamy, the roading engineer, that cyclists are expected, I guess my wording, to use their judgment and if a road is not safe, find another way to go. Um, it's like we would, like cycling's important and growing in, in importance in Ragnar because of electric bikes, but rebuilding Roading infrastructure is quite expensive. Uh, that's what I'm getting out of that. And discussion. our roads are also—they weren't built for those, you know, that for cycling activities as such. So mm. I think going back to Chris's point about, um, you know, when you're cycling, you are a vehicle. So ride to the road as if you are a vehicle, rather than you know, right on the left. But then you have to be really mindful um, that vehicles are bigger as well. People are towing boats or there are trucks with trailers so we have to be all of us have to be really vigilant I suppose when we're all road users when we're out there using our roads and if we know that there's an area that's particularly skinny and I go back to what Charlie had said that he avoids from Raglan West uh, through to town and rather than going on Winery Road the alternative route is to go um, onto Marine Parade and onto the shed uh, footpath cycleway that's there to yeah. get into town. Um, you know, it's an it's an unfortunate reality that you know that we have to do that, but it is about the responsibility of safely using the road. Yeah, and there was also a brief discussion about the road, like Wainui Road, all the way out to to Manu Bay, Whale Bay, and that's definitely not set up for cycling in places. I, my kids wanted to ride that at one stage when they were younger, and I said, "No, you're not." You know, they had friends out at Whale Bay and I said, you're just not cycling out there. Like. Well, you know, that's a, that goes back to, I guess, with my other hat on, you know, as the co-coordinator for the Kariwe Classic, mm. you know, 12 years of organising the event, but the risks were just increasing uh, cyclist versus vehicle. Yeah, right. And, you know, those areas, those pinch, pinch points um, in areas like on Winery Road and that, you know, just added to the risk management and you know for small event organizers the the risk outweighed 
the sort of advantages of having uh, running that event and and you know getting grey hairs from organising that and <laughs> right. making sure that there's safety. So you know we recognise that there was risk there. So when you're on the road, both as a vehicle driver in a four wheel vehicle or two wheel, um, it's just being really careful and being mindful that we all want to get from A to B as safely as we can, whether you're on a bike or on a car. Mm. And I know, I know that for the community, when community's been asked about priorities, that having like a cycle and walkway all the way out there has been has has been listed as a priority. And I know that's something I personally voted for. But I'm sitting here thinking about the cost now. Um, but it's not only the cost. We have to be mindful as well of the who owns the land that we'll actually take mm. as part of the development to, of that. It would have to be the road, official roadway, like the legal boundaries would have to be widened. Yeah, and, Is that what then, they were saying? And, and there's a lot of Māori land that's out in that area, so I think we need to be mindful of that as well. Mm. So it's not as simply as the, you know, the community wanting uh, a shared cycleway, which would be fantastic. However, it's also being mindful of the land and who owns that. And also, it's... Um, is that practical in terms of it's on the mountain as well? So, you know, the the land itself, the rocks or whatever that might be there. But That's that's what I'm – when I was just thinking about the cost, like there would be, have to be some serious earthworks in a few places to create any width. Yeah. So that's the picture there anyway. But it would be fantastic, wouldn't it, that if we could connect through uh, Wainui Reserve down onto the beach, you know, yeah. through the farm at or, some stage, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Although, cycleway. if we have the in, within Raglan bus service, that might actually solve some of those issues. That's exactly right. If that's why, you know, once we get that up and running and we have the, the route of that mapped out, getting people to use that shuttle service or bus service will be fantastic. So hopefully that will get some of the vehicles off the road. And if that's the case, it might perhaps then make it safer for people to ride their bikes as well. Yeah, because just thinking about before when I was talking about my kids wanting to bike out to Whale Bay to see their friends, I would have been happy to put them on a bus, zip them out there, and once they get to Whale Bay, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, we, we, we talked about the Karaoi Classic. Let's talk about another event that's getting people around the mountain really fast, which is the rally. World Rally has um, made an application for, for road closures. Yeah, in September, I think it is. It is. Um, the it's for September thirtieth, um, and they uh, for the rally itself. But they are also planning on having a an opportunity for the community to see all the cars and meet the drivers and their teams here on Bow Street. I can't remember what day that was. I think it was the same day. Is it for because the, because they like the the. The rally drivers will be here to start with, and so they. I can't. I can't remember actually, but that is. I thought it was on another day, but I'm probably wrong. So that's proposed. They've got the application in now for the road closures on Waimaori, Tutirimu, Matafa, Samavaropuke, and Fanga roads uh, for the rally. So right now it's open for community feedback. Uh, and that will come to council for a decision, or yes or no, for the road closures for both here in Raglan and Tiako as well, because there are two legs within the district. Mm. One is in Tiako, and the other is here in Raglan. So I've just I've just found the times, Lisa. So we've got actually there's a reconnaissance morning on Tuesday the twenty seventh from nine to twelve, and then on Friday. 
from six thirty to four thirty. Yeah, the thirty. And, and then in town on Friday again from okay. eight till six. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be an opportunity. So that has yet to go to council for a decision, uh, yes or no. So there's, we know that there's been growing disquiet about rallies, especially around the people living in yeah, the Ruapuke oh, area. Yeah, yeah. Ruapuke, um, Whanga. And um, I've, been, I've received uh, quite a few emails from uh, correspondence from people who are forwarded on um, to my fellow councillors and to um, the organisers, you know, because of people in opposition and they have very good points of why mm. they're in opposition to that. So I really encourage community members to go in onto the Waikato District Council website uh, and put in your yes or no um, to the road closures for yeah. that. Is there... Um what about over, because we don't think about Tiako much in terms of this issue, but are, are there people there very opposed to it or is they Overwhelming so support. Okay. Overwhelming support. They uh, really look forward to that. They're a community that, you know, don't have a lot of major events true, that come through true, there. Yeah. So they have actually um, suggested that at the Tiako complex, they could set that up for people who want to stay um, in their camper vans and things like that. So they are really supportive of the event. Okay, interesting. There's uh, one um, farm owner uh, who has a horse stud who isn't that happy, but uh, the rally organisers uh, have proposed things for that particular farm owner. Um, so, yeah, so each community is different, isn't it, Aaron? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and one other, just one aspect of it, that, that, and I know in the past that the bonds that they pay has is, is proved to be inadequate for some rallies in the past. There is a lot of pre-event and post-event discussions going on um, with council uh, and the recognition that, you know, we need to, if this were to go ahead, we need to have the road uh, in the same or better condition um, that it was in prior to the event. There might be schools of thought that, well, from some people that our roads are pretty poo anyway, so they can't be any worse than what they are now. But we have to really ensure for the locals who use those roads that the road is in good condition and that it's returned to uh, a good state in a timely manner. Yeah, uh, We can't leave them uh, waiting for weeks and weeks. So that is definitely um, a pre-event and post-event um, and that uh, those details uh, yet to be, you know, this is what this process is with the road closures going through there. Okay. So I think what the experience was uh, previously, the last international rally we had was actually in 2012, and the rallies that have happened after that are the Targa rally and so on, and they probably haven't had the resources as the international rally has had to put to um, the roading, but nonetheless I don't want to preempt any decisions that council will make in a yes or no uh, to the road closure application from yeah. the international rally, I'm, I'm picking up generally the vibe that it will be better than previous ones. Um, it has to uh, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be honest, having driven around there a little while ago, some parts of that road uh, can only be improved by the experience. So yeah, and yeah, you know, and, with and, the, and then people might want to take that on board. Actually, the, the road will probably be a lot nicer afterwards. Um, but also, you know, Aaron, right now we've had those severe weather events, lots of rain, mm. so you know that mm. washes out roads in the best conditions anyway. So um, there's work to be done, even just after the wet weather that we've had. 
Oh, I know. We were looking, John and I were on the air on Tuesday cataloguing all the things that were happening. The houses flooding. Actually, is this something, it's probably a regional council issue, is it? Like the houses at Laurentian Bay that, or the house that was getting flooded, we saw that on the notice board. Like, I mean, this is, this is climate change. This is climate change. And this a climate is, change discussion. You know, this, yeah. is, this is the bigger picture. And, you know, Mike Smith with the Māori uh, iwi leaders looking at, you know, coastal areas where many of our people are, marais are on the coast, uh, that we will have to look at um, that really seriously uh, moving forward as communities that are coastal. But it's not only uh, coastal communities, as communities across the Motu looking at that mitigation for flooding, um, these severe weather events that we we need to really start planning. And in fact, we talked about that at our camp board meeting on Wednesday. Um, what does that look like, for example, for the camp moving forward? Uh, you would have seen last weekend when the high tides uh, and then the water was right up uh, at the banks near the Urupa at um, Papahua, for example. That's going to be a more regular feature as opposed to an irregular feature so what does that look like and what does a retreat strategy look like um, for the camp we just briefly touched on that but it's something that we need to give thought to uh, for future planning you know even for the camp in terms of our uh, capital works program all of those sorts of things. So it's not something that we can literally bury our head in the sand. Uh, I live. And the sand will get washed away yeah, from around well, our head. I live out at Wainamu, <laughs> yeah. um, off Rediya Kiriopa Memorial Drive, uh, and the change there, even looking at um, the erosion, and I saw Coast Care uh, putting a call out for people to come yeah. and help um, with the fencing that had been washed away. This is going to be more and more regular, not irregular, and. We need to be really cognizant of that. And what does that look like? Five years, ten years, because it's on our doorstep, literally. One thing I did discover when I interviewed um, the guys from Ecoast last year, just around the time the surf tower had to be removed, <coughs> is that there is a cycle of sand. The sand will build up at a point somewhere further down the coast. Like It's all washing up the, the coast of the North Island, and it will build up and build up. And then all of a sudden it will be kind of be released in a, in a lot, and it will come back around and fill up around here. And then gradually, the same process will gradually it'll wear away again. This is generally what they're saying. So this, that's included along with the climate change effects as well. But combined at the moment, like it, we can see it's having quite a devastating effect out there. Oh, it's it's quite significant. Even if you look um, down by the toilets on the Riri Kiriopa Memorial Drive, um, you think that the it, the bank is quite full, but it's actually not. It's a lot of the vegetation hanging over. So we have to be really mindful of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's going to be a challenge for our community, for council, for regional council moving forward. And, you know, those are those bigger ticket items that well, we... Well, this is it, money. Money is, is the solution. Uh, well, And is it planned it? retreat? That's the thing. We could put everything in place, all the man-made structures. Um, but ultimately, as my friend Henny Moore said, um, you know, out there it's a restless landscape. Yeah, that's a really good description of that place. Even before climate change was an issue, I think restless landscape was was an apt description. But yeah, the question of money, and I guess the debates going on behind the scenes now, is government going to help councils to fund the work that needs to be done? Like, I imagine well, that's happening. Moving forward, that is the consideration because as ratepayers locally we can't foot the bill for these things. But, you know, for coastal communities, what does that look like? 
Is that know? something I should be asking our mayoral candidates in the coming election? Like, what are their thoughts on that? How are they going to fund that as you know, That's leaders? exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do we fund it? It will have to come from central government. Yeah. Honestly. Because it's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money, and it's something that, um, um, yeah, that all of us living on the coast are facing. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, do you have the discretionary funds and um, – do you want to tell us about who got some money there? Was it Ruby got some uh, money Ruby for? Gibbs for the um, Mental Health Toolkit. I thought I had one here, but I can't see it right now. That she has designed, so the board um, agreed unanimously to support that with $2,500 for printing of the uh, Mental Health um, Wellbeing Kit. I'm sorry, Ruby, if I uh, labelled that wrong, but um, that... Uh, we gave the go-ahead for that, and that the Environment Centre will be giving some of their funds back to the community board because obviously we were unable to have the actual event for Maui Dolphin Day this year, uh, given the context of what's been happening. So yeah, but um, I need to go very shortly, okay. but just wanted to say that on Sunday, this Sunday, yes. of course, we've got the, not me, but Tody Kura, you interviewed Kirsty yesterday, uh, hosting um, a community workshop on uh, participating in local democracy. They run great workshops. That's from 10.30 to 1.30 uh, at Raglan Holiday Park, Papahua, and the Hui Room. So I really encourage you to come along. Um, there are interactive workshops, and um, there's Kai provided as well. So that's a bonus. So if you just go into reception um, and sign in there, and they will direct you to the Hui Room. Um, so that should be really good, of course, at 3 o'clock on Sunday, as well as the Community Patrol AGM, which oh, is taking yes, place yes. Uh, at the community house in the basement. So I really encourage you to go along there. And just wanted to do a little plug last night um, in the iHub foyer, uh, which, you know, at the museum, the museum had um, a night at the museum. So Steve Soans spoke about the post office in Raglan, and so too did Eileen Stevens, who was the postmistress at Timata. So that was really neat. They had a great turnout for that. So just uh, a big kudos to Robin from the committee of the museum. She organised that with the committee. So that was a neat evening last night. Awesome. And tying into the the the, the Wananga at Papahua, uh, I know that you are also doing something with Kura in terms of mentor. Or not, I, I might be I've putting too part, strong a word on that. but uh, No, I've just been part of a series of the workshops that I've had with other elected members. Uh, you know, they've hosted some fantastic elected um, people across um, the Motu, you know, from different councils and different organisations who participate in local democracy. So we've had some really powerful speakers, Tipa Mahuta, we've had Benita Bingham, who's actually the chair of Te Mariwata, which is the Māori um, of uh, local government New Zealand, uh, other regional councillors, um, others who are standing for um, the mayor positions, uh, predominantly looking at um, Māori participating in democracy. But obviously they've also, uh, from Waikato District, they've um, interviewed myself, uh, Axel Beck, uh, Chris Willerton and other councillors to get an idea of what is life like in local democracy, what are the 
responsibilities? What are the challenges and what are the opportunities? So it's so this I've been for the benefit of people who are thinking about standing, uh, uh, thinking about standing yeah. and having a realistic view of what participating in local government is, uh, what you need to understand. You know, from the things from the committee meetings to agendas. So the really simple and practical advice on what that looks like. So I'm participating in one at Omairoa Pa on Tuesday evening, which I'm presenting. And then there's a staff member also presenting on the role of staff uh, and what they do. So I think that's quite a good way for people who are thinking about participating or being part of the local elections, which are speedily coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The call for nominations are in July. uh, And then obviously there will be that circuit so really encourage people to come along on Sunday um, and participating in that workshop. Okay, all right. Thank you for coming in, Lisa. That's okay. Thanks, Aaron. All right, folks, we're going to go straight in to the news.